You'll surround yourself with people that have already been successful. You can pick up from them, you can partner with them. And so I would advise whether you are actively investing or participating or not, at least to start to get immersed in a community of people that are where you think you want to be and start that process. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Mike Deaton. Mike and his wife were both laid off. Mike worked in the tech industry for the longest time. He was laid off and then committed to real estate investing and achieved financial independence through real estate and then achieved so much more through real estate investing. Today, we're digging through that journey of becoming laid off as busy professionals and then reassessing, setting goals, committing to the path and achieving financial independence through real estate. So many great lessons in this one. Very inspiring story. I'm sure some of you out there can relate to Mike, whether you've been recently laid off or you've been laid off in the past, didn't know what to do, you went back to working. Well, Mike took a different path, committed to real estate entrepreneurship and achieved success. So many awesome lessons in this. You're gonna learn so much. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and to date, I have acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and we will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcasts user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. I really, really mean that. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Mike Deaton. He and his wife were both laid off from their high-earning and busy professional employment. They committed to real estate investing and they made it work. They achieved financial independence, covered their bills through real estate, and then went so much further and achieved so much more. Without any further ado, here we go. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to go through your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. If you would for us, rewind the clock, tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah, you bet, Taylor. Thanks for having me on. I love to uh, share share a little bit about our journey and, and hopefully help some other people out. So just nutshell, my backstory was kind of middle America. I mean, I was pushed by my parents, get good grades, go to college, get a job, get a W-2 job, which I did. I worked for about 25 years in tech, mostly for, I worked for Motorola out of out of college, I worked for Nokia mobile phones. I worked for M Microsoft my last uh, five years or so. It was mostly in supply chain. And it was as you would expect. It was, you know, work hard, go for the promotion, go for the raise, build up your 401k, you know, just looking for longevity. And in 2016, my wife also W-2 employee, just, you know, dual income family. And in 2016, we both found ourselves out of work. So her she was working in a, for a healthcare company and they were consolidating their operations back to their headquarters in Arkansas. Microsoft let me go in the summer of 2016. I was in Dallas headquarters is in Washington. Just it really kind of wasn't 
working out. I wasn't wanting to move at the time. And anyway, we both found ourselves out of work and it put an impetus in front of us to, you know, our immediate knee jerk reaction was, holy crap, we need to get jobs. And so resumes come out to start working our network. I had a few interviews with other, you know, Fortune 10 type company, uh, but I had a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach with what kind of corporate culture am I going to walk into? We have to relocate. Last few years before I left Microsoft, I was traveling, you know, a couple weeks out of the month. I had a large area of responsibility. And so my quality of life was really heavy on the work and not so much on the life. And so in parallel to all that, we had been invested, we had been kind of investigating different ways to generate cash flow. I had revisited Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I see behind you. I think almost anybody in real estate has some kind of a, a Rich Dad, Poor Dad connection, but you know, it, it triggered or re-triggered this idea. The name of the game is really to find things that generate cash flow and give you more time back. And so I had started looking, listening to podcasts, reading some books and started exploring what that could. Real estate is one of the things, obviously, that Robert Kiyosaki talks about. It, it's a pretty tried and true method of generating regular consistent cash flow not as uh, not as subject to the gyrations of the stock market uh, you know fairly more consistent especially if you're in certain asset asset classes but regardless i had heard on a podcast two different podcasts someone that was investing in vacant land so buying and selling land really just buying low selling high it was kind of a flipping process similar to home flipping but just really with land. You just buy it at the right price point and you resell it at the market level. And I had purchased an intro package of, of what it was all about. And I just had not had the time to look at it because I'm all in my W2 job. So classic. That happens to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, right. You have all these ideas and interests and it's just like, okay, well, I'm busy doing this. So anyway, we had, we, we had the time, we took the time to listen really to our inner voices that was screaming, don't go back, don't go back. And so, you know, we took that pause and said, let's invest some time and some money in trying to develop something on our own. And so we, we explored land investing. We got a coach, we gave ourselves a runway and, you know, lo and behold, we were able to build it up into a really nice passive income stream. And we we did it in tiers, right? First tier is let's stop dipping into savings. And so we just needed to get to where we could pay our bills. Next tier, okay, let's replace what our old income used to be. And you know, we were able to do that. And now we're just accelerating beyond that. And we've, you know, diversified into commercial real estate. So we're big into multifamily right now in the last few years, more the syndication model. We're passive investors in some deals. We're active investors. We lead some deals. And so we run both businesses now and they're as low touch really as we want them to be. We have the time and we have the energy. And so we're pretty active in our, in our spaces because we like it. But you know, our vision a few years down the road is really to build those up into self-managing businesses that are just generating the cash flow and we're steering them now and again. But, you know, as of today, we're happy just being really active in the real estate space, looking for other opportunities. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey. We came to a crossroads. We were fortunate to one, be positioned in such a way that we could take advantage of it, but also that we actually listened to ourselves and took advantage of it and, and took the action to do it. And so, yeah, it's been a blessing and we love just 
you know, especially in the commercial space, we bring a lot of passive investors into our deals. It's awesome just to watch them see the power of regular cash flow. The last few years have been great because a multifamily in particular has been on fire. And so deals have outperformed projections and it's, it's, it's really been good. But yeah, I mean, that's nutshell the journey, a little more than a nutshell, probably. I love it. I love it. I want to dive into all of it really. But first place I want to start is, okay, so you're both unemployed. You decide you want to go with this real estate land investing strategy. And that first hurdle of basically stop the bleeding, right? We need to be able to Mm -hmm. pay our bills. I think that is, in my opinion, like the biggest one. Once you do that, then you, you see the power and you, all right, now the sky's the limit. Let's just keep rolling. What was that like actually, you know, achieving that? Because that's what a lot of people I think want to achieve, even when they're employed, right? That's their first thing is I want to pay my bills with passive income that I'll reassess, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the holy grail of it, right? If mm-hmm. you can generate passive income to pay your bills, you're basically financially free, right? I mean, you you have time at your fingertips and your disposal to be able to investigate and explore and do what you want to do, whether that be work, volunteer, spend time with family, do whatever. I mean, if you're if you're kind of neutral there, it all works out. And and then, you know, you can you can find other creative ways to accelerate that kind of like we're doing, but yeah, for us, I mean, it was certainly uh, a roller coaster of a journey. We we knew that this was something we wanted to do full time and to accelerate, and so that's why we invested in a program. So we, like I mentioned, we found a coach. We we found someone who could teach us and show us around the mistakes that we could possibly make much quicker and with a lot less risk than if we were just to go it alone and and kind of slog it out. And so you know, in that way, we were able to. I would say within a year, kind of get to that point to where we were. We we also took that opportunity to downsize. So we had a large house in Dallas. We had a mortgage that came along with it, two-car family, two older daughters that were just getting into college age. And so we were empty nested. And so we also took that opportunity to kind of reinvent what it was we wanted out of life. And in that moment, we we said, hey, we don't need all this. We love the mountains. And so we moved from Dallas to Colorado. And just, we started renting for a few years, a townhome while we explored where we wanted to live that came with its own set of problems, which, you know, once, once we lost our W2 income and started a business, well, then we couldn't qualify for a mortgage. So we ended up renting for a few more years until we built our (laughs) business up a little higher cash flow stream. But, you know, that first year was a lot of, as I mentioned, a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, there's the exhilaration of your first deal and getting that first taste of cash flow coming in. There's anxiety about, you know, is this going to work? And so that's another reason why we decided to surround ourselves with a community of other like-minded people that were in real estate, in land, get a coach, people that could support us and help us through those ups and downs and make sure that we, you know, stayed the course and, and had the tools at our disposal. But yeah, I mean, once once, you know, for us are, and a lot of people we deal with the magic numbers like 10,000 a month. Everybody wants to get to 10,000 a month. And, you know, once we hit that, it was definitely a celebration. But, you know, quickly your sites start to move beyond that. And it's, okay, what's next? And and things really do start to accelerate. You know, I would say once, once the formula is down, then, you know, you really can build on it and, and start to scale and you loosen up a little bit as well in terms of when we first started out, we were super picky about, do we really want to buy this property? Is anybody going to buy it if we buy it? You know, and all that. And so, you know, in the land business, it's really a 
super great model just for so many various reasons, but it scales quickly. It's super low risk. I mean, our investment in properties is 5,000 or less. I mean, a lot of times for hundreds of dollars, we're buying some properties. Whereas once we got into the commercial side of the business, we, we, once we started making money, then we had a tax problem. So we need to figure out how do we pay less tax? And so we, we started looking at commercial real estate. And when we decided to get into, you know, the more rental side of things, we quickly saw that most people were getting out of single family homes for exactly the scale reason and going into larger multifamily deals in a syndication manner where you can invest a, a good bit of money and you can scale a bit more quickly than, you know, stacking up a hundred or $200 per property. But yeah, it was exhilarating, you know, just, and it still is. Nice. So before we dig into the the commercial side of things and, and adding that to your portfolio, I'm also curious, you set your conditions for success, right? We're going to target such an amount of passive income and then, you know, grow from there. Did you set your conditions for failure? And what I mean by that is, okay, we're going to give ourselves a year to achieve this. And if we don't get it by this time, then one or both of us is going to go back to some kind of W-2 employment. Did you have like a term like that or was it there's no question that we're going to achieve this. <laughs> you know, we did, I would say somewhere in the middle, we certainly said, let's give this a go and let's give it a time frame. We initially said, let's give it a year. We'll see what we can do. And if it's not working, you know, we eject. But once things start building, I think very quickly we saw this is a successful business model and we're going to get there. And so the goal adjusted a little bit in that manner. And and we were pretty confident that there wasn't a situation in which we would have to go back to work. And, mm -hmm. you know, we it just, we, we were, we were diligent enough. And, you know, my, my background is, is very heavily business oriented. I, I ran organizations, budgets, P&Ls. And so we ran our business like a business, right? It was, it was very operations focused and we could definitely see that, that this was going to be successful. And so yeah, it was, you know, also in land, you know, it's the return on your investment and we used our own money, which is common in this little niche, but the returns are triple digits annually. You know, I mean, you, you invest that $5,000 in a property, well, you sell it for $25,000 and usually it, you can sell it in a matter of days or a few weeks. And so, you know, your annualized returns are just crazy. And so very quickly we were able to stack up a good passive income book. The The thing with land is we do a lot of owner financing. And so when we sell a property for $20,000 or $25,000, we'll sell it to someone for $300 a month monthly payment. And, but it's finite, right? It's not like rental where you could theoretically rent it in perpetuity. And so you have to replace those properties. Now, usually it's a five-year note or seven-year note. So it's not pressing in any way. And you can continue to, to build throughout that time frame. But yeah, I mean, we, we definitely... And especially early on had our eye, we, we had our eyes on what would we do in the event things didn't work out. We also did, Tim Ferriss has a concept called fear setting hmm. where you can, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And we explored that. And it's exactly that, right? You go back to work, you have a bunch of land that you can go camp on, get an RV or do something. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the downside risk for us was was pretty low. We also, you know, like I mentioned, my girl's college was kind of tucked away and, and I knew that was taken care of. My wife and I are very supportive of one another in that way. So the, the risk that comes when you have a family, or at least that I felt when I had a young family that you feel the need to provide for, that was a lot lessened in our situation because it was just the two of us and we knew, okay, we can adapt, we can make it 
we can figure it out a lot more easily than if you have other mouths that are needed to be fed and those kind of things. Absolutely. I love that idea of, of fear setting. I can relate to that. My As we record this, my my fiance and soon to be wife, she just left her, her teaching job to basically go work at a, a small business that she's worked at for years. She's going to work full time with the goal potentially purchasing that small business oh, wow. down the road. And nice. that's that fear setting aspect of it. It's like if it all goes wrong, she can go back to, to teaching. If it doesn't work out, we'll figure something yes. out. But now's the time to to go for it and yeah, make it happen. Yeah. A lot of our doubts are are self-created, right? Our, our fears and, and those kind of things. We imagine the worst case scenario and sometimes it's good. Let's go to the worst case scenario. What is that? Okay. Is it really so bad? And it's generally not. Absolutely. And a lot of those things, when you talk about worst case scenarios, in re- a lot of the worst case scenarios we might come up with are out of our control. Car accidents, illnesses, those kinds of things. Yeah, we can drive safer and all of that, but there's still an aspect of random chance when it comes to the risk of not taking a risk, the challenge of taking a risk. Well, we can calculate that. And and usually it's not as actually as scary as a car accident or illness or things yes, like that. Yes, exactly. Going for opportunities. So you had a big tax problem. You wanted to get into a different or add a different type of investing strategy Mm-hmm. to solve your tax problem. Tell us about that and why you chose the route that you chose. Yeah. So again, in the rich dad, poor dad family, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's a CPA, Tom Wheelwright also has wealth of information that he publishes and produces. And so I think around the time that we started thinking about that, he had come out with a, a, a book on, you know, tax strategies for the wealthy or, or something. I can't remember the exact name of the title, but, you know, in there, he talks about depreciable assets. And, and using that as a way to negate your income. My wife and I are both qualified for real estate professional status, meaning we worked in real estate as our primary source of income. And so that opens up the ability to take even more depreciation or passive losses, as they call it, which offsets income. And so we started exploring what were those opportunities? Well, you have self-storage, you have multifamily, you have mobile homes, things with a structure on them and that draw depreciation. And so we started exploring which asset class we thought would be best. There really wasn't a clear direction that said one was better than the other. They all perform relatively well. You have commercial office space, a bunch of different asset classes. And so we really just picked multifamily because we liked the fact that the macroeconomic factors really seem to be shaping up such that there's a big housing gap. A lot of people need housing. People are going to continue to need housing. And so we just started in multifamily thinking that we would explore it for a couple of years. And if we wanted to also explore self-storage, then we could do that a little bit down the road or whatever. But we decided to get into multifamily, larger multifamily properties, 100 unit plus as I mentioned, more in a syndication model where you pool a bunch of passive investors together to buy a larger property than you could if you were to try to do it on your own. And so we took a similar approach to we did when, that we did with our land business. We looked for a community that we could join or a group. We found a coach who had a depth of experience in multifamily. You know, in, in, in a hundred unit plus multifamily community, you're talking 10, 20, $30 million purchase price, there's a lot of equity needed to, to buy into those. There's potentially catastrophically huge mistakes you can make that, you know, could run in the seven figures. And so, you know, we, we felt that it was the right thing to do to 
get a solid coach behind us that could help avoid any of those types of things. But yeah, about two years ago, we started getting into multifamily rentals and we started by passively investing. We had 401k money. We had our own discretionary money. And so we joined a few deals just as passive investors. We we got a feel for the language of the investments, a little bit of a behind the scenes look. And then we just started stepping up into more and more active type roles. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways that you can be more active into multifamily from reaching out to brokers and finding a deal yourself to helping raise capital, to asset managing, to investor communications. There, there's a, a, you know, a, a wide breadth of, of ways to participate in the syndications themselves. And so we explored a lot of those. And then in the last year, year and a half or so, we've been mostly focused on acquiring our own properties, still in the syndication model, but we're more in the lead role where we have found the property. We pull a team together and, and then we close on it and continue in that way. But yeah, it's been great. I mean, like I said, the last two years for multifamily have been on fire. Certainly last year slowed things down with, you know, the Fed interest rates and and things going up. It, it paralyzed the market a little bit just because of the uncertainty that it introduced but it seems like the the path is at least stabilized somewhat they've they've been more clear that you know rate hikes are going to be at a predictable level for a certain amount of time and so the analysis or the underwriting of properties has become a, a bit more consistent and the lenders have opened up a little bit so it's it's opening back up here in 2023 but we still see it as a as a viable investment and there's a lot of great returns to be made, especially in a passive in a passive way. Yeah. So a lot of our listeners out there are, are similar to to Mike before he was laid off, if you will. They're the busy professional mm-hmm. who maybe bought a course and, and haven't mm-hmm. taken action or or haven't moved forward, maybe don't know exactly what the right move is for them. And and I wonder if you were to to talk to Mike before he got laid off when he bought that mm-hmm. course. What words of wisdom would you give to yourself? Would you what, what would you say to yourself back in the that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. So my wife and I we help quite a, a few people. We we talk to investors very often for our deals. We help coach people in in the land business and and, and help them start out in that way. And so I would say to put it in a simple manner, kind of the first step is really to assess yourself and your current state. And so meaning like my personality, I'm a burn the boats kind of a guy, like I'm all in whatever I'm all in on. And so when I was a W2 employee, I was all in to my company and I did not take a lot of time outside of work to do other things, a side hustle, explore the things. That's why, you know, this kit spent its time on the, on the desk collecting dust. Other people are great at, they can multitask, they can do something on the side. So I would say you really kind of need to assess your personality as well as what's your situation. Do you have disposable income or not? Do you have time that you can spend? What are your resources that you can do? If you have you know, money, whether it's in a 401k or your own discretionary account, I would say you know, passive income, there, there's a broad variety of things that you can invest in in a syndication model and that are very good to get started. A lot of the corporate 401ks are very restrictive. And so, you know, there are ways you can liberate that money and put it in a self-directed account where you have more options available to you to invest in a syndication and put it in real estate and things like that. So, you know, those are ways to introduce yourself into real estate or other investment classes while still maintaining a W-2 job. And so 
that's obviously the safer route to take when you have income still coming in. And if you can take the time to explore something and, and get it up and running and make that transition to get close to, or even this, you know, replace your income. I know a lot of people who, who do that. They, you know, they get into real estate and takes them a couple of years and they start to get close to what their salary is today. And they say farewell to, you know, corporate life and their full-time real estate guys. So, you know, that, that for me is probably the best scenario because it's a bit safer, but you know, like I said, I, I don't know that I would have been as, as successful had that moment not come my way. And, you know, in that instance, I did the same thing. I assessed what resources do I have? Well, I had a severance. We had some savings. We had a lot of time. And so we figured out how best to deploy that. And then, you know, another key aspect is, I think it's Tony Robbins that says success leaves clues, but you know, there's all kinds of things like that, where if you find a community that's doing what you want to do, you will accelerate your learning because, you know, you'll surround yourself with people that have already been successful. You can pick up from them. You can partner with them. And so, uh, you know, I would advise whether you are actively investing or participating or not, at least to start to get immersed in a community of people that are where you think you want to be and, and start that process. And that you can pick up you know, knowledge, tips, all kinds of things to accelerate the, the growth path. Awesome. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Mike, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Gosh, for me, it's been the land business. I mean, that fundamentally changed our lives. So from a transform transformative process, hands down, the best investment we ever made. From a return on your investment, as I mentioned, it's anywhere from 4X to 10X your investment. And so from a returns, it's also the best investment we made. Nice. No problem. Nice. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? I think this is... A rich dad, poor dad philosophy. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but there's this concept of, it uses a baseball analogy, but like most of your investments, singles and doubles, right? You're, you're in there making fairly safe, good investments. Ever so often, swing for the fences. And so back in 2010-ish timeframe, I was introduced to a tech startup and I invested as an angel investor in that early on. It ended up not materializing. I learned a lot of good lessons. So, you know, one, first and foremost is you really need to do a lot of due diligence on who exactly is leading, whether it's a multifamily syndication, a self-storage syndication, or a stock investment. It's one of the reasons why I really like investing in single real estate deals versus like a, a REIT or even a stock because you're you're 
you're so far removed from the decision-making or even understanding the principles of the decision-making. But anyway, that was, I would say monetarily, it was my worst investment, but it, it taught me a lot early on and it saved me a lot down the road. So it was a, it was a good lesson. Well, you either win or you learn, right? That's the yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like philosophy. That. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, I'll piggyback on what I just said. So I would say, regardless of what you are investing in, do it with your eyes open. So take the time to do your due diligence. And what I have learned is the most important aspect of doing your due diligence is on the people that are involved in the deal. So in our multifamily journey, we've probably been in 10 deals. Our early deals, we were super eager just to get involved in a deal. And we kind of bypassed taking time to understand who's running the actual deal because, you know, you can get a nice marketing package that says, hey, we're going to produce, we're going to double your money in five years. So 20% average annual return. You're going to get these quarterly cash flow distributions. But if you've got a person that leads that deal that doesn't know what they're doing or gets in over their head, the deal's going nowhere. And so it's worth it to really understand who is leading. Do they have the experience? Do they have access to the experience to execute a business plan? That, I mean, that with, far and away is, you know, the most important business lesson that we've learned in this journey. Absolutely. As they say, even though I don't like the gambling analogy part of this, but you're betting on the jockey more so than the horse. Perfect analogy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, sharing all of these lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? You know, the best place right now is we have a website called flippingdirt.us where we have information about uh, contact on me. We offer a couple courses. If you're interested in land investing, there's a way to jump into our multifamily investing, but that's probably the one-stop shop that gets everybody what they need. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.